For those who uh, are visiting with us maybe today for the first time or on an irregular basis or others who've maybe been away, we've come to the final sermon in a series of sermons. And it's no worries that this is the final sermon. I mean, they do all connect with one another, but they're also independent sermons. And over these past few weeks, we've been going through a sermon series uh, titled Churches Learning Change. And it's a journey that we as a congregation have been on for almost four years now. Today we close off with the final topic of radical obedience. And I think radical obedience can summarize what we've talked about over these past three weeks. In January we heard sermons reminding us that God clearly commands us to love Him, to love one another, and He sends us out. Just as Jesus Christ was sent out, we as His disciples, as His followers, are sent out on His mission, proclaiming love to His people. Radical obedience. Following that, we were challenged to grow in our relationship with Jesus through reflecting on our spiritual disciplines, to get to know Jesus better through times of entering into his word, times of entering in prayer with Jesus, times of just enjoying God in his creation. And through that, we also get to know ourselves better. Radical obedience. We're reminded also that uh, as we get into relationships with one another, and as we get into more and more what God desires for us, often what arises is tensions and anxieties. And the tendency when tensions, anxieties, or conflict occurs is that what happens is that we tend to go back to our default position. And often that is again being disobedient to God. So part of our journey as well is also to deal with our own anxiety, to deal with our own behaviors in a healthy way. We are called to radical obedience. So radical obedience can be defined simply as faithful obedience. Discipleship. Disciples are called to be faithfully and radically obedient to Christ. Radical obedience is that we are saying yes to Jesus Christ in everything. And it's not easy. It's challenging. It's often going to the edge of our comfort zone and taking that one extra step. It's just like the disciple Peter going over the edge of the boat, the edge being the edge of his comfort zone, and he then takes one more step into those deep and rough waters. We sing that song, Oceans, often. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever, wherever you would call me. I think we can agree that those are dangerous words to sing and pray. Now, as soon as we speak about radical obedience, saying yes to Christ in everything, I think... We, all, we automatically have to talk about habitual disobedience. Because if we're honest with ourselves and with God, we don't say yes to Jesus in everything. And we have to reflect on where and why we are saying no. What is it that keeps us from saying yes? What is it that keeps us sinning? What keeps us from not loving God, not loving one another enough to live our lives on mission for God? So our scripture reading this morning 
is from Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14. And it's titled, Dead to Sin, Alive in Christ. Before we read from Romans 6, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, we give you thanks for this day that you have blessed us with. For this opportunity that you have blessed us with, of freely being able to come to worship and to freely hear from your word and engage in your word. And as we read from Paul's letter to the Romans, written centuries ago to a different people in a different context, may these unchanging words still speak to us as your people and in this context. Holy Spirit, open our minds and our hearts to seek you and to seek your preferred future and your will for our lives in the life of this church. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 6, verses 1 to 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, he will certainly also be united, rather we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you're not under the law, you're under grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in, this, in the book of Romans, Paul often asks rhetorical questions. And he does this right off the bat again in verses 1 and 2. He asks, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? then he answers this question by no means we are sinners and every time that we sin god will continue to pour out his grace of forgiveness in our lives we celebrated that promise that assurance this morning every time we sin we are given grace so the more we sin the more grace we get and logically speaking Sinning and disobedience makes so much sense. The more we sin, the more we get to receive God's grace. But Paul questions and asks, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? 
Well, that is what's going to happen, but he answers it, by no means. Absolutely not. So why is it that we just continue to keep on sinning? Because sin is not the way that God intended it for us. And God says to each of his people, he says, you can do better than that. I've intended it differently for you. I desire to give you freedom, life in Christ. If you continue to live a life of sin, oh yes, God's grace is enormous and amazing. And it will be overflowed to you. But that's not how God intends his people to respond and to live. Continuing in our sin is not the way God intended it for us. So Paul is saying, do not keep sinning just because you know that you'll experience God's grace anyways. So Paul, in these verses, he goes through the process of what a believer's life could and should look like. And Paul goes on to say that we are dead to sin. We're not under the law. And so be who God intended you to be. Completely under grace. He intended you to be holy because he is holy. He intended you to be obedient in response to his love and his grace because he extends his love and his grace. He intended to, for you to live in freedom. So don't be something other than what you were intended for. Sin and disobedience can leave you enslaved. The point of all this is that by grace, the, by the grace of Jesus Christ, you have been saved through faith. And so believers in Christ, we are under grace. And if you are living a life of continued sin, well, I guess according to Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, sure, you can keep on sinning, and you will have that grace abound, as Paul states, I mean, it says that you will receive God's unconditional forgiveness or you can live the life that God intended you to live. You can stop the habitual sinning, live your life for Jesus, and still have that amazing grace abound. You will still have all your sins forgiven and furthermore, you will have freedom. You will be alive in Christ. Radical obedience is living the life that Jesus would live if Jesus were living your life. It's not what would Jesus do. It's not the same as that because Jesus is perfect. It's what would you do if Jesus were living your life today? If he had your job, if he had your family, if he had your friends, what would he do in these circumstances? And he would say yes. And he would say yes and be obedient that would lead to such freedom. Now Paul uses the analogy of baptism. And I think most of us have probably been baptized, perhaps as infants or as adults, or perhaps you've witnessed a baptism. Baptism is more than a symbol of what Jesus has done for us. Baptism is about our identity in Jesus. It's Jesus putting his mark on us. Jesus affirming that we belong to him in life and in death. 
that he is our God, that we are his kids. Baptism affirms what God intended for us. It affirms our unity with Jesus Christ and his life. It affirms our relationship with him. It affirms our unity with Jesus' death. And just as Christ died and was buried, so too we are buried with him. Christ died and we share in his death. Not physically, but spiritually. On account of the death of Jesus, our sins have been once and for all removed. This means that our sins have been buried. Past, present, future. And they're no longer going to be held against us. Our bodies have been washed clean. White as snow. The old self is gone. You are dead to sin. Sin is no longer your master. I think sin is like an addiction. And most recovered addicts will tell you that they continue to live with the addiction. It's not cured. But they do not live enslaved to the addiction. They are not controlled by the addiction. They are free. So I think we can agree that in a sense we are addicted to sin. And sin becomes our autopilot. Sin becomes kind of our default nature. But we are recovered sinners. And I think that can mean that we are saints. We continue to live with sin, but we're no longer enslaved to sin. But there will be times that we end up going back to that default. Maybe intentionally, maybe it's known. Quite often it's unknown. So you have to want to live your life no longer enslaved to sin. So you have to make a decision and choose. And you have to make an effort to completely stop your old way of life. You can decide to keep on living the way that you live, or you can decide to stop living the sinful way and to completely follow Jesus, saying yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us, the grace of God in us, and we have the power to respond obediently. Yes, falling short many times than receiving God's amazing grace and forgiveness. But when it comes to our sinful life and our old life, I think too often we just kind of think, well, maybe if I just slow down here a little bit, and that's enough. But when it comes to our sins, we are called to stop, not just slow down. In life, our sins have to be dealt with, with a complete stop. Just like an addiction. When we are buried with Jesus, our sins have been buried with Christ. And we're able to say no to sin. To that old life of sin. And yes to Jesus Christ. So to be radically obedient, we have to learn to deal with our habitual disobedience. Tonight, Maria will be focusing on how our past experiences and our family of origin have impacted on how we behave in the present. Things that sometimes continue to just creep up in our lives because we've kind of said, okay, we're just going to ignore that. 
It's that continual life of sin. Now, when we think of that a continual sin, we often use the phrase, well, people living in sin. And then we compare it to people living with sin. For whatever reason, we as humans tend to rank sin. But habitual sin, whatever you want to call it, is living with, in sin. It doesn't matter what you call it. And I'm going to be bold enough to say that most, if not all of us, are probably in that category. Because I believe all of us have sins that we're not even aware of. And just because we're not aware of these sins and not dealing with these sins, it doesn't make the sins disappear. And we can thank God that even when we keep on sinning, His grace abounds. And there's no need for shame. Such known or maybe unknown sins that we tend to just be satisfied with might be why, why might it be that we are prone to an addictive behavior? Or why do we tend to continue to have an unhealthy relationship with some people? Or why do we behave in a response of conflict or withdrawal as soon as anxiety shows up in my life? Or why must we find fault in everything? Or do, why do we have trouble committing to people or even to the church with our time or finances? Why do we not always love God as we should or love his people? Or ourselves? Why do we hesitate to share the gospel of Jesus with everyone? You see, I think we can agree that there are blind spot areas in our lives where we continue to be habitually disobedient and living with or in sin, whatever you want to call it. Friends, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' grace abounds and increases. So let's live our life like a disciple of Jesus. To be radically obedient, we have to confront our disobedience and stop our habitual disobedience. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict each of us of those hidden, unknown sins that will often prevent us from being fully alive in Christ. So again, you can keep sinning. You can even ignore it. And as a result, you can keep experiencing God's grace of forgiveness in your lives. But God calls each of us to more than that. He calls each of us to be free and experience his amazing grace through freedom. So Christ died, and we share in his death. And Christ lives, so we too share in his resurrection. Verse 4, we read, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus lives, and so do we. We are no longer dead to our sins, but we are alive in Christ. And that is how God intended for each of us to live. Alive in Christ. God intended for us to live freely in Christ. Verse 11, we read, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And this is not some fairy tale story. This is a command. 
Seriously, people, we are dead to sin and we are alive in Christ. That's an amen and an hallelujah. Verse 14, we read, For sin shall not be your master, because you, you're not under the law. We break the law. We know that. But we're under grace. And you're no longer living under that old life of sin. You're no longer living with sin as your master. But grace abounds in your life. Because you're unified with Jesus in his death. We're also unified with Jesus in his resurrection. And Jesus rose from the dead, and we celebrate that resurrection not just on Easter Sunday. Not just on Sundays. We celebrate it every day of our lives. We celebrate that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That same power is at work in us. We have power in us through the Holy Spirit to confront our habitual disobedience and live in freedom in Jesus Christ. Understanding that you are free in Christ. Understanding what God has done for you. Redemption through Jesus Christ. It's given to you. So respond to his amazing grace in your life. Yes, again, we do live with sin daily in our lives. And some we are aware of, some's intentional, and some we're not. But God, through his Son, has removed all our sins. Having faith in the saving power of Jesus. Rather, have faith in the saving power of Jesus. Respond in obedience to Jesus. And live your life the way God intended you to live, in freedom, in Christ. See, the resurrection of Jesus is about the transforming power of God to change your lives. It's not just a miraculous event that took place a couple thousand years ago. The resurrection is not simply a transaction, but the resurrection is about transformation. The resurrection is the event that takes place in our lives on a daily basis through the power and spirit of Jesus. The resurrection results in radical obedience. The resurrection is just not good, it's not only good news for the end of our lives. The resurrection is good news already today. And it's on account of that resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are no longer, that we no longer need to be called sinners. But through Christ, we are recovered. And we can be called saints. In this letter to the Romans, Paul begins this letter in Romans 1, 7, 8, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are sinning, know that God's grace will forgive your sins. When you are sinning, know also that you are alive in Christ, and through him you have the ability to confess your sins, to repent from your sins, and to live freely in Christ. You have the knowledge and the reality that your sins have been buried with Christ. So we are all being challenged to confront any habitual disobedience and to stop sinning and to put that life of sin behind us, that old life. Live free through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Receive the reward of eternal life. As David Platt, in his book, Radical Together, he states, the old creation, it kills community, it kills witness, it destroys. 
The new creation brings life and growth. It brings purpose. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, believe this. Know this. Accept it. Live it. Don't be burdened down by your past sins. Don't be burdened down by your past hurts. Acknowledge them and let Christ release them. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that there's no reconciliation and restoration that needs to take place. But first, you must accept God's love through Jesus Christ and know that you are a new creation in Christ. We live radically not because we have to, but because we want to. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the reason for radical living. Radical obedience is not for one person to be equipped, but it's for all people in the church to be equipped to partner with God in leading others to Him. When we choose to be radically obedient, imagine just for a moment what the church, the body of Christ, can do in this community and in this world. Our God gives us hope for the future. But he also wants to transform the way we live today until we attain that hope. We're no longer dominated by sin when we are in Christ. And that means we have the power in us to fight off the sin. And we should reflect that power and reflect that freedom that we have in Christ. Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under the law, you are under grace. Jesus is alive, and so are we. And let's strive to live our lives the way God intended for us. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray together a prayer of confession and a prayer of assurance. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your word. We praise you for the glory of the cross and praise you for the power of the resurrection. We thank you for Jesus and that you provided sinful humanity a way out. That through your grace and your love, you provided a savior for your people. We are all sinners, but you have intended better for us. And you desire us to be free through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we confess that we don't always follow you. We confess that often we give in to our sins. We confess that we sometimes take the root of sinning and receiving more and more grace. We confess that sometimes we are unaware of our sins. So forgive us for our wrongdoings and continue to extend your grace and mercy to us when we do fall short. Forgive us for when we fail to do things in accordance with your will. We praise you that when we do fall short, you continue to keep calling us back to you. And help us to turn away from our sins and to follow you and to say yes to you, Lord. Help us to live our lives for Jesus as you intended us to live in radical and faithful obedience, ready and willing to live for Jesus. 
Work in us through the power of your spirit. And we thank you for new life and the freedom that we can have through the power of the cross and the resurrection. We thank you that because Jesus lives, so do we. And may through our lives, others come to know and serve the living Lord and Savior as we do. And we pray this only in the name of Jesus Christ.